everybody. It is time for Apollos Watered, a podcast to saturate your faith with the things of God so that you might saturate your world with the good news of Jesus Christ. My name is Travis Michael Fleming, and I am your host. And today we have one of our Deep Conversations. A deep conversation is when we go beyond the surface. We go beyond the headlines, we go beyond the bylines and just the bios, and we like to probe down deep into thoughts and people and ministries that are really reaching people for Jesus Christ and are making a difference and help inspire and equip us to engage in conversations so that we might saturate our world with the good news of Jesus Christ. And today on our show, we have a special guest, a good friend of mine by the name of Keith Draper. Now, many of you may not be familiar with Keith, and if you are listening from overseas or you are outside the Chicagoland area, you may be tempted to tune out because he is a Chicagoland missionary, meaning that God has called him to the city and the suburbs of Chicagoland where God has brought the nations. And I would encourage you that if you're in a different city or different location in the United States that you don't tune out, in fact, I would really heavily encourage you to tune in to hear the heart of this man of God whom God is used mightily throughout the Chicago land area. Now, let me give you a little bit of bio on Keith Draper. He is Reverend Keith Draper, and he and his wife, Barbara, have served the Lord in the Chicago land area for 30 years. That's incredible. What a testimony. He began his work in the far west suburbs of Chicago as a campus minister at Wheaton College and the College of DuPage. Through his ongoing missionary work, he became involved in mentoring and coaching church planners across Chicagoland, leading dozens of new congregations and engaging in missions with close to 50 people groups. Ultimately, he became the lead overseer for over 250 churches across Cook, Kane, and DuPage counties before taking early retirement from denominational work in 2013. He's continued to follow, though, his missionary calling with great passion, developing a partnership model called Five Acts of Kindness. This model brings churches together to address global urban needs while planning events for global urban leaders. His nonprofit work in cities has helped bring investment to at-risk populations, outreach to people groups with little exposure to Christianity, organic mission extension from local to global settings, assessment and coaching to young ministers, and successful transition for churches and changing communities. In 2015, as the refugee crisis began heating up from conflicts across the globe, and refugee means displaced persons from their home country where they can't go back or they will die, they are then have to be taken someplace else, and the United States and many other countries have opened up their borders to allow these displaced persons, refugees, in. And so as this refugee crisis began heating up from conflicts across the globe, Keith sensed a calling to serve the broader body of Christ with world relief to help local congregations stand with the vulnerable being resettled there. By addressing real needs with refugee populations and partnering with churches, he has seen a growing movement of churches among diverse peoples. That work has now expanded to other immigrant communities with the same eye toward further kingdom growth. Presently, he serves on the leadership team of World Relief as the Church and Volunteer Engagement Director, leading a team of eight people in this work. 
he and his wife Barbara have nine children, get that, nine kids, and in addition, have taken in 12 at-risk children over the past several years. In fact, I think there might be even more than that. They currently live in the East Washington Street Historic District of West Chicago, Illinois. And before we get to my conversation with Keith, I want to lay out some definitions and help us get our bearings. As I said before, Keith works with refugees and the most vulnerable among us. He's a man with a sensitive heart for God that has brought him in to interact with people from all over the world. And he's talking about refugees, he'll talk about the most vulnerable, and he'll describe who those people groups are. He's also going to talk about various different people groups. One of those he's going to mention is, are those who speak Aramaic, which are the Assyrian people. Uh, in the conversation, he actually couldn't remember what the people group was, but I'm going to let you know that ahead of time. And he's also going to talk about the homogeneous unit principle. Now, what that is, it is a principle that many church planners held that said you should plant a church with people who look and sound alike, meaning you are a homogeneous unit and you need to reach or create a church of people just like that. And he's saying, no, that's not the way that we should approach this anymore. That's not how God's kingdom is. In fact, God wants to show the diversity and the greatness of his kingdom by bringing people from various different ethnic groups together to praise his name. And with that in mind, and we have those definitions intact, I want to invite you to listen into this conversation I had with my friend, Keith Draper. Happy listening. Keith, welcome to Apollos Watered. Great to be with you. Okay, we have our fast five. Five things about you. I'm going to ask you a question. It may be a this or that, or maybe a short answer, but five things. Are you ready? I am ready. Here we go. Android or iPhone? iPhone. Are you a tech guy or no? Not a tech guy. All right. Okay. So uh, iPhone is kind of the, I think we're, we're getting older. I'm an iPhone guy too, but I think that's becoming the uh, older generation's phone, but I could be totally wrong there. My kids would agree with you. Okay. Yeah. I, I think many that uh, my younger listeners, that's what they say, but that's where we're at. So yeah. U.S. history or world history? How about that one? That's your next question. Oh, let's do U.S. Why do you like U.S. history so much? Uh, probably colonial times. Very interested in that. Um, just seeing how people of faith tried to form a country and what worked and didn't. Yeah, it, it is quite fascinating, but I think also U.S. history because there's not as much. It's true. <laughs> World history, there's so many things to take in. It's hard to know where to start and so many fascinating histories all over the world. But I think I needed a softball. <laughs> Here's the next one. Favorite ethnic food and dish? Um, probably my favorite ethnic food would be sushi. And uh, I like eel. Eel is my favorite. Eel. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What does eel taste like? To me, it's a unique flavor. It's not uh, like anything I've had before. And so I really like sushi that has eel on it. Okay. Sushi that likes eel. Nice. Okay. So yeah. Japanese food yeah. and eel. I'm going to have to try that. Yeah. Now, favorite destination vacation? Probably uh, the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Oh, I have never been there, but I hear it is absolutely beautiful. Beautiful, affordable. Um, yeah, just a great place to get away. Nice. 
And then lastly, here we go. This is the one that you're going to have to think about for a second. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? Oh, that's a, that is a good question. I think probably my, my choice would be a land cruiser. Uh, cause I Ooh. like something that, that proves the test of time, um, is functional and I think is good looking. So all of the above. <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> it is good looking. I love that. That is so good. Okay, that's one of the best answers we've ever had on Apollo's Water. Um, but let's let's get after it because you are a man. Sometimes I like to call the Kevin Bacon of Chicagoland. And for those that aren't familiar with that, it means there's the seven degrees of separation between you and almost every Christian leader that I can think of. Um, you are a very well-connected man. You're networking, but it's because you just have a heart for people and a heart for serving God. So tell us a bit about how you are serving God right now as you work with World Relief. Sure. Um, World Relief is part of a tent-making gig for me. So um, just a few years ago, really, as the whole crisis of refugees uh, coming out of Syria and other parts of the world began to take place, had had a real sense of calling to try to do something to address that and found World Relief looking for ways to connect better with churches. Um, I had taken retirement from work with uh, with a denomination for 25 years, had a great run mm. with them, and um, really felt called to stay in Chicago land. So I work for World Relief, and then I also work with an initiative called Five Acts of Kindness, which is really addressing some needs that complement what World Relief does and some things that are the same as what World Relief does. Well, you you do a lot of different things. I mean, you've been a Chicagoland missionary. You've been involved in mentoring and coaching church planners uh, across Chicagoland. And in your bio, I was reading that you had you've been you've led dozens of uh, or, or church planning initiatives that have planted dozens of new congregation and engaging in missions with close to fifty different people groups. How many how many different people groups are there in the Chicago land area? If you think p- people group beyond language, I would say roughly two thousand different people groups. It's a very global city. Um, most wow. research puts it as a city that. Um, really tops in quite a few fields globally. Uh, for instance, in the area of education, uh, it's generally a top three city for that. Um, it's a city that represents some populations that aren't uh, in other areas um, other than their indigenous place. Uh, most people know it for larger communities like the Polish community, Italian community, but you know the Nepalese community has been fast growing here. Um, other groups that for Christians would be considered unengaged or largely unreached that are here. I just read an mm-hmm. article recently that was talking about the Aramaic that Jesus spoke, that it was a disappearing language in one of the few places in the world it's still spoken is in Chicago. Really? Yes. That's pretty incredible to me. Yeah. What group would that be with? You know, I don't remember the people group it was among, but basically their language and dialect is the most similar to what Jesus spoke, and it's still being utilized in this area. Um, But the name of the people group is not coming to mind for me at the moment. 
No, that's okay. Um, now, but we're talking about, I mean, you, you've been in a lot of different ministry. Um, I know that you were a campus minister at Wheaton College and the College of DuPage. Um, as I said before, you've been involved in church planning initiatives, mentoring leaders, training leaders, um, it, but yet you still see yourself as a missionary and you're doing, as you said, this is a tent making gig. You're, you're basically doing two incredible ministries. You're working with World Relief and Five Acts of Kindness. Now, just tell us, what are these five acts of kindness? Maybe the the quick version of that would be first really looking at people who are at risk in the city and how do we engage okay. them. Secondly, those who are unreached, so less than 5%, 3 to 5% Christian. Um, thirdly, looking at how we work locally, globally, um, so more organic missional movements that go from the local to the global efforts. Um the fourth, looking at leaders and developing leaders, and then finally, helping churches in transition, which in urban areas happens very quickly. So churches that are plateaued and declining, really looking at what God's doing in their area and how they might need to change in order to continue to grow and reach where God's placed them. So th- that's a really incredible ministry, especially when I think about what God's doing in the cities, not just in the United States and Chicago, but all over the world, because really we're seeing just a, a really becoming a global village where yes. we are seeing people that are from all over the world. And yet you're building relationships with these groups of people. How did you do that? I mean, that's not an easy thing. A person doesn't just set out one day and say, well, I'm going to build relationships with all these different people groups. What really spurred you along to help develop these relationships with so many different people groups? You know, I, th- I think it started with a call to a city, um, I came really at that calling in a very unusual way, but when I came here, um, I felt God had called me to spend a lifetime of work in this area, and really quickly in seeing the diversity of the city, knew that if we were really going to see our city know Christ and see a growing, multiplying movement of Christians, it was going to have to be very diverse. Um, I would say also I've just really had the wonderful mentoring of working with uh, Southern Baptists for many years, and um, most people think of them as particularly one ethnicity, but uh, they actually worship in 101 different languages every Sunday, Um, and so much of my connection with people group work happened with the international front of, of world missions related to Southern Baptist work, the International Mission Board. Wow. That's incredible. And then so you, the, you, you go ahead, go ahead. No, they just cut, helped me cut my teeth on it. And then the tenaciousness of staying to my calling helped me to continue to go deeper here in the city. And so you're, you're now working with these refugee populations and partnering with churches um, because you've seen a growing movement of churches being planted or assimilating or interacting with these different cultures. I mean, really, what are you seeing? Because oftentimes, as you said, um, we see kind of, we think, and you mentioned the Southern Baptist, but I think we think about this in reference to all of the groups we interact with, that we just see our group of people. But you're seeing a diversity happening within churches across Chicagoland. Is that right? Yes, I would say if you look at the Chicagoland area and even the work we're doing with World Relief, last year we worked with people from 113 nations just in one year locally. Um, And so for us, we're seeing a broad base of people groups. And among those people groups, um, 
I think you kind of get extremes. You get populations of people who have very little exposure to Christianity, which most people think that geographically close means close to the gospel, but not necessarily. Um, Or secondly, people that have come from parts of the world in the global South who are just, you know, their, their faith is growing, they've suffered for Christ, and they're catalysts for Christian efforts now here in this area. Probably the fastest growing movement I see of churches right now is among uh, populations of people who are immigrant and um, new efforts among those UPG groups and then persecuted Christians really just alive for Christ, motivating other Christians. Now, UPGs, for those that um, aren't initiated, means unreached people groups. Um, And you're seeing really the world, people that have not had exposure to the gospel in our communities and we have the opportunity to reach them with the gospel. And as you said before, though, many of them are coming that are already Christian and mm-hmm. they have the opportunity to help strengthen us. I know I was uh, a, a mutual friend of ours, Daniel Yang, and I were talking some time ago and he said, well, you know, while the nations, God has brought the nations to our 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 world, really, it's not just for us to reach while there's a part of that, but actually they're they're here to help reach us. And they're yes. helped to revive the church in America. D- does that give you hope? I mean, we don't hear about this very often. We hear about the division. We hear more about the political. But what is God doing with these refugees and immigrants to bring them into our world? And, and what are they doing for our churches? I think, uh, I think it's really a reliving of what happened in Acts chapter 17, where Paul is talking at the Areopagus about about his God and trying to help them understand who his God is. And, you know, he said he made the heavens and the earth and he doesn't need us, um, but he does use us. And then it, it says this, and I think verse 26, from one people, God made all people of men and women so that they might know him and others um, might find him, though he's not very far from any one of us. And the scripture really points out that God moves these people around so they'll know him. And so I look at displacement, not just from the evil that it's caused uh, from people who have been pushed out of their places, but I see it as God redeeming that and moving people around so they'll know him. And if they know him already, then they're helping other people who don't know him know him. And if they don't know him, they're putting them in proximity to Christians so that they would share and show the love of Christ to them. So I see this as really God's activity among us with this great um, displacement and diaspora of people that are being moved all over the world these days. I think it's about one person every two seconds. One person every two seconds is being displaced? Correct. That's an incredible statistic. And oftentimes we don't hear about that here in the West, but just in taking what you're you're seeing and so many different people groups that are in our areas. And, and we don't often realize that, but how do we, how do we really develop relationships? Because oftentimes I think there's this wall where we see people, they look different than us. They have different customs. They have different traditions, different smells, different foods, things that are a bit unusual or foreign to our own personal experiences. How do we step out and really try to have conversations with people from different ethnic backgrounds. I mean, you've done this, I don't know how many times, just hearing about all the different groups. And even you had to start somewhere. I know I detect a bit of a Southern accent. I would I would uh, go so far as to venture that you probably didn't grow up in a multi-ethnic community, or am I wrong in that? 
uh, I did not grow up in a multi-ethnic community, um, but my dad worked for airlines, so we moved all over the country growing up um, okay. with them helping aircraft companies begin. So I had been pretty exposed until I went to high school, and we moved back to be close to my my relatives where my parents were born, and that was in Arkansas. And really coming back to that place is where I heard the gospel and became a follower of Christ. But before that time, I'd really been exposed to people groups all over the country where my, my dad moved to help us start, uh, help him start new companies. So God was even birthing that in you years ago. Yeah, I would say, you know, that's one of those wake ups you have when God shows you that he, he has everything worked out perfectly. I, after about eight moves, by the time I was in the fifth grade, I really thought I was a victim of my dad's moves. And then as I felt a call toward missions and got involved doing that, I realized that my job every day would be meeting new people. And God had used my childhood to help me be comfortable with that and at peace with that. So to me, it was like in the past, I saw myself as a victim of those moves. And then I realized God's perfect discipleship plan was to prepare me for what I do today. And and, and it's not only in mission. I, I I wish people would get to know you. I, I wish they could meet you because you are a person that I have met that just loves people. Mm-hmm. Um, you and your wife, Barbara, you really do love people. In fact, reading your bio, you have how many children? <laughs> uh, we have, uh, we have nine, uh, nine children. And then we have about maybe 15 or so plus kids as we call them. 24 kids. <laughs> is, is, is that a, 24 kids. Oh, okay. You have to explain that. And I know that's not just you, that that is your wonderful wife, Barbara, that I've heard so much about, but tell us a little bit about this ministry that God has given the two of you. Well, when we talk about people who are at risk, which I mentioned was that first act of kindness, one of the incredible needs in a city like Chicago is uh, children that are at risk. And so we work with um, uh, an organization that helps with at-risk kids, and we probably have at least a dozen or so requests every week about a child at risk somewhere in the city. Um, We try to take on those longer cases. So apart from our eight biological children, we adopted one of these at-risk children last December. And uh, over the past five years, we've had, you know, 14, 15 other kids in the home um, that we've seen a ministry of connecting with their families and helping these children that are in in very vulnerable places. That is absolutely incredible. And, and not only that, but I know you guys have even started a pantry, mm-hmm. like a, a pantry through your home. Explain that, because I find that's a fascinating thing that God has done through you guys. Yeah, when, uh, when many of the roles with the denomination I was working with uh, were shipped overseas and some change and reorganization, um, we, we went through a tough time during that change and, uh, a very good friend in, uh, the Ethiopian community here in Chicago really challenged me. He said, Keith, you've been taken very good care of you and your family by a denomination for a quarter of a century. Um, but you know, I think your God is bigger than a denomination. And I think if you could trust him, he could take as good a care of you or better than that denomination did. If you'll just learn to trust me. And for us, one of those areas was just food. You know, we have a big family. There's a lot of food to provide. And we had a guy who was sending food our way just to help us out in the, in the transition of work. And uh, 
um, we were getting so much food, we couldn't eat it all. So we just said to him, could we share it with others? And he said, if you share it, I will, I will bring more. And then several other groups found out about it. And now I think we care for about 80, 80 plus families and have three locations where it operates, helping refugee populations, helping elderly populations that are struggling, and then just young families that aren't making ends meet. Um, so God showed us that he could feed us and he could feed 80 families if we just turned what we were doing over to him and let him use it and multiply it. Keith, I, talking to you and hearing about just how God has used you, I, I, I really do marvel and I'm encouraged and challenged at the same time. And I mean, but what, when you get down to it, what is your heartbeat? I mean, what was Keith Raper, when, when you look at your ministry, what is God just, you feel God has called you to, I mean, what's your passion? What's, what has God given you as a passion? Um, when, when uh, my calling happened, I was in Alaska working as a summer missionary and there was a revival movement that happened. And if you look at revival movements in North America, during the 20th century, there were not as many. Um, the 19th century, certainly. But one of the 20th century ones was a 1986 revival movement in Alaska. And that was the summer I was up there. And just seeing people come to Christ left and right, um, it, it just I'd never seen anything like it. And it so moved me that I asked the missionary I was serving with, why he didn't have more help. And I've learned you just never ask a missionary that because they're going to begin to recruit you. <laughs> Keep going. His, uh, his answer to me was, Keith, there are a lot of people willing to go to comfortable places to serve the Lord, but there are very few people willing to go to uncomfortable places. And this is an uncomfortable place. So I came back from Alaska, really pierced in my heart about that, wondering, would God send me to an uncomfortable place? And I saw that as more of a pioneering effort. And I had a good mentor in college um, that he and I met weekly. His name was Bob Hartman. And um, I told Bob about this pioneer sense of calling. And he said, I lead student ministries across a national network. And I'd really like to get you interviews in New York, San Francisco, and Chicago. Um, and I just thought he wasn't listening to me. I said, Bob, I really want to do pioneering work. I think that's what God's calling me to. And he said, where do you think our biggest pioneer fields are? It's our global cities. And we need people who give a lifetime in those places if we're ever going to see a difference. And that really has put me on a lifetime journey now of 33 years in Chicago land, really trying to make a difference here for the cause of Christ. And in those, in those 30 years... What are some of the changes that you've seen happen in the churches? Uh, I think one of the ones that's been exciting to me, apart from the people group focus that we've talked about, is really the rise of multi-ethnicity. Um, you know, seeing churches really cross barriers of ethnicity and culture. Um, so it's no longer what I was kind of cutting my teeth on, that homogeneous unit principle of McGavern, but really looking at how God is creating these Pentecost experiences in churches of people from different languages and culture coming together. That's certainly been uh, a new thing that I see, I've seen God doing. I think the other is that there's new networks of churches uh, that I've seen over this time. When I first came, I think there was pretty clear there were denominations that did different work, and they didn't really cross paths very often. 
And I think that sense of desperation to reach a city has created new levels of collaboration and even new networks of churches uh, that don't have just a denominational affinity, but really are connecting around their common mission or purpose or people group. So what do you see seeing that happen? And some people are are just, their eyes are opening to the multi-ethnic church and what's going on there. How do you encourage people to join God in what he's doing? I know that both of us are, are, are familiar with Henry Blackaby's experiencing God. And he said, find out where God is working and then join him there. And it seems that's what God is doing. How can people join that? And and I know some are in the cities, some are in the suburbs, some are in small towns. They don't have any type of exposure. And there are others that I know that uh, we have listeners that are all over the world. Um, and yet we know that God calls us to reach out to those who are different. But how do we participate in his mission as he is bringing people from all different kinds of ethnic backgrounds together? I think it's a fear or faith proposition. Um, I think our natural inclination when we encounter someone that's different than us is to be repelled by that and to be fearful. Um, But I don't think that's a faith position to operate. And to me, fear and faith are on opposite ends of extreme. So if God's put us in proximity with someone of a different culture or background, I, I think God's inviting us to engage off of that Acts 17 passage I shared at the beginning. So engaging, um, building friendships. You know, I don't think you can be strategic missionally if you don't have real relationships of people who are of different ethnic and cultural backgrounds. It gives you an understanding, and it gives you, uh, quite honestly, some um, some integrity about what you do. If, if they see that you are living your life among people of different backgrounds, then, then the willingness to go on that missional journey with you, I think, is much stronger as well. How, how do we do that, though? I mean, it, it, it's easy to say, but it's, it's often hard to do. Where, where do people get started to build those kind of relationships? And I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but how do we go about building those kind of relationships with people that are different? We don't just walk up to somebody and go, would you be my friend? Right. <laughs> I mean, wh- what do we need to do there? I, I think there's a, this is maybe a, a, a kernel, I hope it's a kernel of wisdom and a secret that I've seen from church planting and working among people groups is that there often is an optimum window of opportunity for engagement where people are open to change, and it's when they're new to a place. So, you know, coaching church planners, often you, you know, put church planners in places that are growing and new development because there are people who are new there and they're all trying to figure out how to nail down life and they're open to relationships. And I think that's true, uh, like with world relief and refugee populations and newer immigrants, there's a window of time where they're really disoriented and they're trying to find some way to get an orientation in life in this new world that they're in. And if you can really show the love of Christ to them and help them in that time of transition, I think it gives you a platform to be able to speak, not just do the gospel, but speak the gospel to them as well. So I look for those, I look for those new areas. Where is it that there's new growth, new activity? And that's why even as a church is in decline, let's say in a community, Often there's new populations moving into that area that are probably part of the future God has for that church, but they 
they have to step into those new populations and not be afraid of them, but see them as people God's brought their way because he's bringing them new opportunity and new life. Does that make sense, sir? Oh, no, that that totally makes sense. I mean, that's exactly what we did at our church because we were in a community where the community had shifted and we had a lot of different immigrants. The world was right around our doorstep, but yet the church hadn't been reaching them. And we thought, well, we want to be a reflection of our community. And so we had uh, some gardens that we created. We had ESL programs and we saw the world come in. And it was awesome to develop those type of friendships and relationships and just see this new life that's there. And I, and I think God is doing something as we see with our cities, we see what's going on across the world. I mean, w- yes, we see the political, we, we see the headlines, but yet we know that God is working underneath the surface in ways that we can't always often describe. And you are a testimony to that. Um, we're running out of time today, but I, I wanted to let people know, how, how can they get to know or, or learn more about you or about world relief? Where can they go? And how could someone get in contact to you with you to know what you're doing? Probably off of our website would be a good beginning place, which is just chicagoland.worldrelief.org. Um, I'm on the leadership team there. My contact info would be there. Um, or you could just drop me an email at kdraper at wr.org. Um, that'd be a couple of ways of connecting. Um, five Acts is a little more of off the grid. Um, so I would say the World Relief Connection is the best one. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Well, Keith, I wanted to thank you for being our guest today, and I'm sure we're going to be talking again as we continue to discern what God is doing in the world and how we might partner with Him. But before we finish up today, just want, if I could put a bow on this or ask you to put a bow on this conversation, and and since we are Apollos watered, let's imagine that we're giving someone a water bottle for the week, something that they could just drink on and and just consume. What would be that one thing that you could give to people as a takeaway that they could do to help fulfill God's mission in the world right now with all of the different changes we're seeing and looking at your own life as an example? What would you, what was the one thing that you would give to people for them to take away? Acts 1.8, to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I think he wants to see all of those areas reached, but I believe that he wants you to do what's in your backyard. Um, what is it God is giving you access to immediately that you could be a good steward of to go on then to other places? And it isn't sequential. I think it's simultaneous. We do local, global, uh, try to do all of the above. But if I'm really wanting to encourage someone, I believe God's given you opportunity right around you. And if you will step in without fear and have faith to cross culture, to cross race, to see who's new that's moved in. I think God can work through that to do such incredible things and take you to the ends of the earth. That's awesome. That's a great thought. That's your water bottle for the week, everybody. Um, But I want to thank you, Keith, for coming on Apollos Watered, and may God continue to bless you and your work. You're doing such an important work, uh, touching I don't know how many lives. I can't even begin to estimate whether it's with your children, with the pantry, with five acts of kindness, with world relief and all the church planning work, just reading your bio makes me very tired and <laughs> also makes me need to be more motivated. <laughs> but again, thank you for coming on Apollos Watered. 
praise God for what he has done. I give him glory and praise God for what he's doing for you, Travis, in this new chapter of life. Thank you. I appreciate that. God bless you and take care. All right. Bye-bye. I hope you were encouraged by that conversation that I had with Keith. Keith is a true man of God. I am amazed at the connections that he has and how he is able to connect individuals and churches across Chicagoland, and not just Chicagoland, but he knows people all over the world. And I hope and I pray that you were not only encouraged, but perhaps challenged to make a difference in your world, to reach out, to have a conversation, to cross that bridge. It might be awkward, but awkward is awesome. That's what we used to say to our church when we would end our services because we had a multi-ethnic church with people from all over the world. And the conversations often were awkward. We didn't know what to say. We didn't know how to pronounce names. We didn't understand sometimes the languages that were being spoken or the customs or traditions that were there. But what we didn't understand is that God loved them and God wanted us to make disciples of all nations. And if they were already believers in Jesus, then we wanted to befriend them to show how great and how awesome the body of Christ is. I do hope that you were challenged to start a conversation with someone who may be different than yourself. And if you're in a place where you don't have that opportunity, where you're not engaging with people from different ethnicities, then reach out to someone who may be different than you in some way, shape, or form so that they too might hear the good news of Jesus Christ and know that you love them. I also want to let you know about our an opportunity that we have for you. We are having our first ever Apollos Watered Weekend. And that's taking place on Friday, February 19th of 2021, going to Sunday, February 21st of 2021. I'll be teaching. It's going to be a fun time. It will be held at Phantom Ranch Bible Camp in McWanago, Wisconsin. And if you want to know more details about that, I would encourage you to go to phantomranch.org slash events, where you can find more information and sign up. And I would love to see you there. I'll be teaching the Word of God all weekend long. There will be many winter activities to do, bobsledding, ice skating, just being outside in nature, and then being together and just relaxing together as we enjoy or as we open the Word of God together. I also want to let you know that today's show was brought to you by Kathy Brothers of Keller Williams Innovate. If you're looking to buy or sell a home in the Chicagoland area, then Kathy is the person that you need to call. She comes with years of experience and loves what she does. She sits down with you, gets to know what your needs are and what you're looking for, and then she presents you with the very best options that work for you. I would recommend giving her a call or text today at 630-201-4664. That's 630-201-4664. That's Kathy Brothers of Keller Williams Innovate. Tell her Travis sent you. That's it for today, folks. If this has helped you so that you can saturate your world, then hit that subscribe button, leave us a review, interact with us on our social media pages, and share this episode with other people. Water your faith water your world. This is Travis Michael Fleming signing off from Apollos Watered. Stay watered, everybody. Stay watered, everybody.